My gym owned, they owned um, a barn, and so I got into equestrian sports and horseback riding. And I've been doing that for like seven, eight years now. <laughs> Today I am very fortunate to have a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine who's living in Japan before his daughters come here. And I told him that I'd be more than happy to show her around Japan, around Tokyo anyway. But in the but what she'd have to do for me is be on my podcast. And she said I'd be more than happy to. So she is here from UCLA and she is actually gonna be um, it's a little different from what I'm understanding that she's not actually a part of the school she's doing other things while she's here so we'll find out more about that as we start to talk to Layla yes. welcome here Layla thank you for having me yes is this your first time in Japan yes it is okay now I thought that you know I was asking you on the mm -hmm. way up here if I taught you or anything like that and you said I wasn't even born when my parents were here no they just had you right afterwards? Yes, okay. they came back to New York City and they had is me that, there. Is that where you were born, New York? Yes. Okay, so how long did you live in New York? Oh, not for a long time. It was probably less than a year. And then we moved to New Jersey. And then after that, we moved to Charlotte and we stayed in Charlotte and then came to California and then went back to Charlotte. And now that's where we are for now. <laughs> oh, that's not so complicated. So how many years did you stay in each place? So New York, you didn't stay there at all, but you were born there? Yes, yes. Okay, and then you went to school, elementary school? Where? In um, I believe it was split up between New Jersey and then my first time in Charlotte and then in California and then going back to Charlotte. That was like a period of a lot of moving and my sister was also born during that time during the in Charlotte. How many years difference between you and your sister? There's four years. Four years difference, so yes. you guys close? We are, we get closer as we get older. I think it's harder when you're younger because there's more stuff. arguing. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> that's good, that's neat. So what were the things that you remember most growing up? Let's say in elementary school, what was mm -hmm. it like for you? Was it a private school or was it public school? It was a mix of everything. I went okay. to private school, Montessori school, public school. I went to a French school actually in California and so it was very immersive where we would learn math in French, science in French, we would cook French foods in class. It was very, very different from anything I've ever experienced. So that was one of your biggest impressions up till now? Yes. Being there? Well, tell me, before that, what was it like? What was schooling like for you? Was the school mm -hmm. pretty mixed, um, let's say, ethnically? All of your schools were pretty mixed, or were you pretty I much always the only one? I would say it was definitely, I wasn't only the only black like child there, but it was definitely more of like, um, there was less diversity and there were more white students okay. than anything and I think most of my schools. So how did you feel, I mean, growing up? Mm, I think just because I've been so used to it, it's, it's been just like a normal part of my life and because when I was younger, I had to kind of navigate that and I didn't really fully understand like there's supposed to be more diversity at the time. That was just the way it was. It's just what it was, yeah. And so it was just very interesting as I got older and I was like, oh, like there are actual schools with like more diversity and more kids who like who was look you, What like age me. would you say you were when that happened? I would say probably like middle school okay. when I was kind of realizing that and coming to terms with like, oh, I have friends in other schools where there is more diversity 
And even though like I have a great education, I have great friends, a majority of my friends were white. And I just, I didn't realize that wasn't as normal until I had gotten older. Well, were you, yeah. your parents, didn't they say anything to, say anything to you about it? Like they when did. You, when, you came, when you came home, what was it like? Mm. You say, Mommy, Mommy, why is my hair yellow? Or why is my hair this texture? Mm. Or Mommy, why is my skin this? What did you do? Did those things ever happen? I think they did come up. And a lot of times, like when I was younger, my hair would be in like braids or in like certain hairstyles that was natural. But then I think as I turned like seven, eight, I would always have my hair straight. So then that also probably contributed. And then. Contributed my, to what? contributed to me thinking like this is just normal this is what everyone does okay and so I think like the biggest thing that they emphasized was like yes like you are different and yes like you might experience certain microaggressions and things happening and I think those conversations came up more once I was like towards the end of elementary school middle school just because in elementary school like in the beginning it's usually wasn't as much of an issue unless it came up like rarely, but I never had that experience you never at least. Felt at all. No, okay. like I, I never really struggled with that until like high school when there were more microaggressions. What are microaggressions? Explain mm -hmm. a microaggression to me. Right. So it's more like underlying comments where there's no like direct derogatory like racial slurs or anything. It's more like, oh, can I touch your hair? Okay oh wow you're so well spoken and okay. things where people will say things because they're like it's just so shocking how you're so smart for like who you are and it's like why is that shocking <laughs> i don't know we're all in the same boat here so it was just very interesting to notice these things did you ever have teachers treat you differently i don't believe so for the most part like growing up I was like the suck up to the teacher Real so quick, huh? yeah I was like let me be their friend let me befriend them so I can do well and so I can show them like I want to be here so I don't know if that is what prevented that and they're like wow like she really wants to like be a part of this and engage with me so if anything they point you out as the best student they say, yes <laughs> do it the way Layla's doing yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so <laughs> So in school, we, did you, what about in sports? Were you more academic mm -hmm. or were you more sports-minded? I think I was more academic initially, and I still am, but I think there's also a big balance with sports because I started out in gymnastics. Yes. <laughs> I did it for like four or five did years. Did, I, did, did your father post a lot of pictures of you doing gymnastics? Or did I you, have no None idea. of your parents did that, did they? They might have, because he has a Facebook, and I'm not sure if he did, but he does share a lot of photos with friends, family. Mm. But I did do gymnastics for a good bit. From what years do you, how old were you Ooh, when you started? I don't remember. It was definitely like towards end of elementary school through like beginning of middle school, and then that's when it kind of started to trail off because my gym owned they owned um, a barn, and so I got into equestrian sports and horseback riding. And I've been doing that for like seven, eight years now. <laughs> what type of horses do you ride? So I rode all kinds. Okay. I did um, something called eventing. So we do like jumping, dressage, which is like no jumping, just on the flat, and then cross country, where we go out into like the woods almost, and you're jumping like natural obstacles. And so I would ride like 
different horses from all parts of the world because a lot of my coaches had like imported horses. So you've been, or on, you've been on Arabian? I have not been on Arabian, Okay, because no. that's the horse to be on, an Arabian. Really? Oh, that, I mean, that's one of the highest strong, most beautiful horses you'll ever see, an wow. Arabian horse. They are very But you've been beautiful. on quarter horses, you've been on quarter thoroughbreds. Horse. Yes. Okay. I okay. had a thoroughbred horse. Right. We had her for four years. How and tall I was sold she? her. She was 16.1 hands. Sheesh. Yeah, she was big. <laughs> My goodness. So you could canter, you could post, you did everything. Yeah. Did you do Western or did you English style? Only English. Only English, yes. okay. Yes. So you had the boots and you were kicking it, girl. Yes, yes. My mom, like, back at home, there's like a whole room with just all of this stuff and she's like, Oh my gosh, there's so much stuff. She's like, can I get rid of any of it? I'm like, no, no. You're Are you the only one in the it. family that rode horses? Yes, I am. My yeah. parents, they aren't afraid. They're just like, they keep their distance. Are you kidding me? They said they'll fund this. They'll, they'll yeah. finance all of this. Yes. But we're not touching these horses. They would touch um, Nessie was her name. And Nessie was they the only one. They would come and pet her because she's but really sweet. But they, they would never ever ride a horse, I don't think. Now you're, see, now you're seeing this, you hear what your daughter's saying. I can't <laughs> wait till you guys see this. <laughs> so they would, they would come and stop by and visit, but it was primarily me coordinating between like the vets and um, all the people that worked on her. And okay. they would help finance and I would kind of, it actually was a great way for me to become more independent because right, right, I right. had to manage like what she needed, work with all the different people that had to care for her. It was a huge responsibility, but it was so much fun. That put you in a whole different level, too. Yes. Once yes. you start dealing with horses, you're saying, hey, we have arrived. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kicking it. You were probably the only black person in your group doing that? Yes. I would think so. Yes. Everyone else that I know who has done it, whether they're at like my barn or I met them at UCLA, like none of them, um, none of them are black, no. I wouldn't think so. But I'm sure there are a lot of black people that are actually yes. involved in horse riding, but however, it's few. It's very, very few. few. I follow a few professionals who are black and they are in that like eventing space right. and it's very small It's a very small group, you can count them, but yes. And they're very big on advocating for like getting black diverse, kids right, right. into this community because it's, it's a very exclusive community just because of like not only the expenses. I was gonna say that, yes. And then that creates a barrier, but then also because it's just, it's a very closed. As, as most yeah. things have been for a long time. Yeah. We're starting, tennis was that way right. for a long time. Right. Golfing was that way for yes. a long time. And every time, and gymnastics was that way for a long time. Mm -hmm. I was a competitive gymnast. Oh, you were? Oh yes, that's my company in Japan. That's why I was really surprised. Oh. <laughs> we're known here because of gymnastics. Right, right. And I was the first black gymnast that they knew right. when I came here. Wow. And I have the height and everything, which most gymnasts don't have. Mm -hmm. So I've changed the gymnastics part more into a confidence building program. Right. Using right. gymnastics as the vehicle. Right. Well, that's interesting. What was your hardest skill in gymnastics that you did? Mm -hmm. Did you ever learn a back handspring? Yes, I did. I full did. twist? No, I could not okay. get the could full Could you do twist. a back handspring on the beam? I could not do it on the beam. That's okay. where it started it's to get, get tricky. And I also you reach to puberty too. Yes. And that changes. When your body starts to change, it's difficult for girls. It is. And I was getting taller, so my coach was like, too much legs. Yeah, this is much going leg. to be really hard for <laughs> you. True. And they wanted me to go up. I think it was like, I can't remember if I was level three or four. So I didn't get super, super high, but 
it was starting to get to the point where I was like, okay, this might be too much on my body. It is. So I had to kind of pivot from there. And that's you went right into riding. Yes. Well, that is beautiful. Yes. Do you still ride? Yes, I do. I'm taking a break just because it's hard to do it going back and forth between the East and West Coast and just because it's expensive. But I'll go home and visit like the barn and I'll do lessons sometimes with my coach. And it's always good to like visit and it's very relaxing <laughs> to just did get on. Did your parents ever get you your own horse or did you have to leave one there and basically just rented it? So I had my own horse, oh, Nessie. Oh, you had your own horse, Nessie. Yes. How yes. long did you have Nessie? I mean, you still have Nessie? No, I had to sell her before I went to UCLA. That was okay. like my big decision and where I wanted to go to college. And I was like, I think I want to bring her with me. But then it all changed after I got in. And I was like, okay, I have to reevaluate what I'm going to How do. How long did you have Nessie? So I had her for four years. So from oh. my freshman year of high school to my senior year of high school. How much that, been, that had to be hard for you to sell It was it. very hard, very oh. hard, yes. Do you, do you still keep in contact with who you sold her to? I do not. Okay. She's with a good home though, so it works out well, yeah. What color was she? She was a thoroughbred, so oh. she was an ex-racer, um, and, and her color. What was her color? She was bay, so she had She's like color? Okay. yeah, but she also had like dapples where she had like the spots, the lighter spots on her where, too. Where, where, where? Just like on the main part of her body. Okay. Yeah, but I spent like probably one hour grooming her every time I saw her, so she was always shiny and clean That's what I'm talking and. About. It was always so great and <laughs> satisfying to see her, like, just, she always looked good, yeah. Now, did you compete? Um, not really, because I got her when she was two years old. So my primary, primary goal was to train her, and so my coach and I worked on that through most of the time I had her, and just building skills and foundations from, like, the ground up. And then towards the end, we went to a few competitions, and she was awesome. She is so good. Now, at what, okay, now tell me, what did you have to teach? Her? Tell me the mm -hmm. things you taught her. Ooh, there was that a she lot. Because I'm sure, and then yeah. the levels. I'm not really familiar with all the levels, but I That's know okay. there are. Yeah. So how does it start? So Can with her, it started out mostly with groundwork because okay. she was two years old. I couldn't like sit on her back because it's not fully developed until they're like three around that age and so I got her like towards the latter half of before she was turning three and basically we worked on ground things so they have almost like um, something on their head like a halter and there's a rope attached and so you're working on them listening to you guiding them one direction the other direction backing up stopping when you tell them giving vocal commands and so we have been doing that since like day one it was very important because then it makes it safe for her and I to like work on the ground, because initially she was she did not want to listen. So, but how does she? So, how does she act? Do you have to have? Because mm -hmm. I remember seeing people give little cubes of sugar mm -hmm. as a treat. Did mm -hmm. you have to? Did you give her treats? And in the old days, I have mm -hmm. to say this, because I had to, when I was in the service and I was your age too. I was mm -hmm. 19 years old, mm -hmm. and they asked, could anyone ride? And I could ride. Me and one other guy in the squadron oh, could ride. Oh, you can. Oh, yeah, okay. I can ride. So, but I ride oh. Western style. Oh, I see. Not I English see. style. Okay, okay. And I rode bareback. Oh, yes. So I know how to ride. But they used ace bits. Do you know what an ace bit is? No, I don't. They, I think they're illegal now. But they used to pinch the inside of the jaw. Oh. When you pull, that's the, the horse would stop because of the pain. Right, right. And now they just use a bar. But they yeah. had to take out the teeth in the back to use the bar. Oh, they Isn't did. In the day, that's, I don't know what they do now, oh, but I'm yeah. sure they've changed quite a bit. 
Yeah, it has, it has. <laughs> so, so they had a barn back here, but I had horses that had nothing. We just held their mane, just like an Indian. Yeah. <laughs> and rode them and jumped and did everything. We were just crazy kids. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we had to, the ones that had been out to pasture over the winter, mm -hmm. we had to break them mm -hmm. for the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts oh. to be able to ride. So we had to tame them. They would oh, run see. us up against trees and low branches. Oh, wow. oh man, I'm telling you. Until you controlled them, and after a while, they would calm down. Mm -hmm. Then they were ready for the kids. So that was about my extent. Yeah. But I know there's more to it. There is. It's, okay, there's so a explain. lot to it. So what was it like? Take, run, run me through it. I have a little yes. time. Yes. So the biggest thing when I could start riding her was she used to be a racehorse. So she only knew forward. So she would want to run through like any pressure in her mouth at all. So our biggest thing. Wait, wait, you said she was a racehorse, meaning someone was on top of her then. Yes, because they. But you said you couldn't be on top until. So is. Wait just a minute, wait, talk to me. <laughs> Who was on top, was a real person on top of her? Did yes. So it's really complicated where in the racehorse industry, a lot of times they race them when they're one or two years old, sometimes even younger than that, because that's when they're in their prime and they can okay. move they're fastest, okay. but then at the same time, they're not fully developed in the sense of like their backs being developed. So it can create issues for them. And so that's like a big controversy in that area, okay. just because technically it's not good for them. But also they put the lightest people they can on top of them. I, I would think so, not these sure. jockeys. I would, I would so. believe so, because usually they're right. smaller, right. and then they don't actually have like a saddle on their right. back. Right, they're not really it's sitting on them. Right. right there. So I think that also contributes, but like in terms of me and having like a, a heavy saddle on her, we okay. were like, no, we'll, okay, we'll wait. So yeah. the groundwork consists of? Yes, so the groundwork consisted of a lot of just repetition, getting her to listen to when I like pulled my arm one way and she would follow that way, stopping, turning towards me. It took a lot of patience. <laughs> how long did it take, if you can remember? I about think how long. we did it for three months <laughs> without any anything else, just groundwork, how getting often her to stand. <sighs> Maybe at minimum four times a week. How long each time? Uh, 40 minutes. <laughs> it was. I was at the barn every day for like mm. two hours or more because I would go in and clean her, groom her, and then we just work on like standing, stand, wait, stand here, stay over there, move this way, go this way. What would she do to resist? She would usually just try to ignore me or try and pull. We've had some times where she like reared up on her back legs things like that but like overall she's a really sweet horse like she'd never try she's never tried to kick me she's never tried to like bite me so she was in general pretty good about it just she was like I don't want to do this <laughs> so that was like the only thing we had to really overcome okay yeah. now fast forward what were the skills you taught her that you're the most proud of that she mm. what level did she get to so we were able to instill like better movement and her moving. So a big part of her moving and dressage is with her hind end and her back legs instead of like pushing forward with her front legs and her shoulders. And so we were really starting to get her to move that way and develop the muscle to move that way. And it was just amazing to see her start to like watch her shift and how she moved 
whether it was in like trot and canter and it was just amazing to see like the progress and like all these slight changes coming to fruition in the end wow. yeah and you never competed these were just things you were doing just to learn to do yes them. we just went to like two or three competitions just to get her there see what she was like there and she just she loves to travel she we would put her on the trailer she'd get there and she was like calm as can be as if she's done this her whole life <laughs> like she's great when we we're away That's yeah. Sweet. Yeah. how long would she have to be on the in the carriage um the longest, longest. was probably three hours Whoa. yeah but i know people who have gone like cross country with them who have gone like up and down the states like for long periods of time and they usually like take breaks and stop right. and let them out and bring them right. back in i know friends who've imported horses and exported them from the u.s and that's a whole other the thing, thing you have to get them a passport <laughs> and don't they fly then they can fly they can fly that's yes what I thought, yeah. yes Wow. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, you put yourself in a whole nother level. Yes. Okay, so that, outside of that, that's one of your strongest interests, and mm -hmm. it still is, right? Yes, it is. Okay, what else do you do that you really are, you enjoy academically? So, Where academically, is? I have shifted all over the place, especially since I started at UCLA. But one of the biggest things that I've kind of stuck with is just I really like writing and I really like editing. And so ever since, I believe it was my junior year of high school, I had an English teacher. And I used to like math more, but then there was like a switch where I was like, no, writing. And she really taught me how to become a really good writer. And I still use most of the things she taught me to this day and just keep developing on them. And what grade was this? This was 11th grade, high 11th school. Grade. Yes. So you never forgot her? No. She was well, amazing. Give her a shout out to her. What's her name? So, <laughs> I don't know. If I, should I okay. shout her you out? You can or? if you want to. You can because, you know, only she'll know mm -hmm. if she ever sees it. She might yeah. get to see it. You can send it to her. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. So, Mrs. Angerer, she was awesome. You were amazing. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you for writing my college recommendations. <laughs> So, um, just everything you've done, it just has impacted me in such a great way. Oh, yes. that is beautiful. That yes. is beautiful. Because there's always the people in your life mm -hmm. that help to change your course. Mm -hmm. And math could have ended up being your best subject had you met someone like her right. who was teaching you math. Right. And that's so important for us. It is. That is beautiful. And it I bet is. you that means a lot to her, too. Yes. Look at you now. You t she knows you're in Japan now? She does not know I'm in Japan. But well, she, she will if she sees this one. Exactly. Send it to her. Yes, yes. Do, can you keep in contact with her? Can you can you I contact can, her? yes. I can Let's reach do. back out to her. And I have before, because um, she, I didn't have her write my recommendations for UCLA because UCLA didn't take any recommendations, but she wrote my recommendations for other schools that I got into. Well, how'd you get into UCLA then? So it was really interesting. It was only based on grades. Um, based on the classes that you took, um, your extracurriculars, and like your resume that you sent in, and then your essays. And that okay, was then it. tell us about each of those so we can know how you got in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I had a really good GPA. Okay. Um, and I had that because I was in a program called the International Baccalaureate Program, IB. And so it's this program is so rigorous, it's so hard. <laughs> um, the first two years of high school, it's like a prep course into it and so you take like there's so many different terms and um, 
acronyms in it. And so it's called MYP, Middle Years Program, and you start to take like your prep courses that are really high level courses to help you go through the DP years, which is your junior, senior year diploma program. And that's where you can get your IB diploma. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Did, you, did your mother or father ever do this? No, no, they did not. They did, they, did they know, so they didn't know what you were, you were being set up for? They did know about it. They did it know about it? Okay. Because my high school is notorious for having this program. Got it. And that's why, one of the reasons why we moved to like the specific house that we're in in Charlotte, because going to that high school, you can do the IB program, and then they also have a lot of AP classes. Yeah. So they were, they, they were just doing this, making sure that your life could yes. be whatever you wanted it to be. Yes. The only yes. reason why we're like living in specific places was because of either my dad's job and then because of the school district. Yes. Oh, that is beautiful. Yes. Isn't it nice you pick parents like that? I know. Look at I you. I was very lucky. <laughs> Look at you. You know, you look down and you said, yeah, I want those two. I want those two. <laughs> yes. That is beautiful. So tell me the rest. So what else did it take for you to get to UCLA? Yeah. So basically my last two years of high school, I took about eight classes in the whole year and they're year-round classes and so you do four one day and then you switch off and do four the other day and so you do that you have exams for each one you have papers for each one and then you have external papers just for the IB group <laughs> and it's I think I wrote probably 30 papers within those three years or sorry those two years and it has just developed my skills and ability to like write the essays to get into UCLA and just be able to keep my grades up and everything because they're weighted classes as okay. well. Okay, so what else? What else did you do? You had to do some, what about your yes. extracurricular activities? Yes. So that counted, right? Yes. My biggest one was horseback riding okay. and that yeah. was like my biggest commitment that I had. And then on top of that, I was in National Honor Society, Science National Honor Society, just to have like volunteering activities. And then in my freshman year of high school, I ran for student of the year with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I raised a little under $20,000 for them. And so I didn't win, but I was still so happy with my team and being able to like put on a fundraiser like that. So I had that as a big thing and um, just, I was just all over the place. I just did anything and everything I could. And then you applied to UCLA, but did you know that you wanted, I mean, had you, you had to decide where, what year in schooling did you have to apply? I UCLA? had to apply at the beginning or at the end of 2020 going into 2021 because well, I graduated in 2021. Oh, I see, okay. Yes. And what made you pick? outside of the West Coast. What made you pick UCLA? So it was, it was actually really funny. I applied to only one school in North Carolina and then everywhere else it was either the Northeast or California. <laughs> My parents were like, okay, right. <laughs> thank you. Right. So I applied to UCLA just because when you apply to the UCs, you just check off which UCs you want. And at the Didn't end you, when I you was- You only applied for one? I applied to UC Davis, okay. UC Berkeley, and UCLA. Okay, all yes. Right, all right, that's about to say. Yeah. Yes, and so when I came down to like my decisions and where I wanted to go, 
I was looking at, um, I'm not going to lie, I was looking at like location and temperature. <laughs> that was a very big weight in it because I got into some Northeastern schools and I was like, You said, no, I've so been there, done that. Said, I've been there, done that. You said, no, thank you. Exactly. And I knew UCLA was a great school, a great environment. And they had like a lot of different options in case I wanted to change like my major or do something different. And it would be helpful in terms of like internships and just being there year round because there's so much happening in Los Angeles all the time. Wow. Yeah. Now you're over here. What are you going to be doing while you're here? So I'm here for like three more weeks and I'm in business and leadership classes right now. And so it's a mix of different things. I finished most of like the class part and taking the exam and now we have like team projects. So I have to go interview people in different business sectors and then do a team presentation based on the things that I've learned from them. Uh, it's very interesting. That's good. Maybe you should interview me right now. Yes, I could. Okay, well interview me. How long does the interview take? It takes, it, they said it takes however long you'd like, but okay, let's do I, it. Can, I can come up with some questions on the fly, yeah. We can do it, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, um, so just based on your experience being here, I know you opened up, you said IGC? IGC, yes, yes. Japan. Limited. How was your experience, you know, not having as many connections and having to build that network while also simultaneously building your enterprise? Okay. It made it a little bit easier for me because mm -hmm. I came here in the military and I was based mm -hmm. at Yokota Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. So I knew people I knew people on the base there. Mm -hmm. And I'd had a chance to go to some of the international schools mm -hmm. that weren't connected with the military. I see. Being the only black gymnast here, mm -hmm. everyone knew me. Ah, I see. When I coached the team at the base, mm -hmm. and I always went, I was an investment consultant, so I always went to all of our meets in a suit. Mm -hmm. And so much so that the coaches said, could you please come in track suits every now and then? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> and my girls were good. Mm -hmm. My girls were good because I, I understood how to sell. Mm -hmm. I understood how judges would look at you. Right. I taught right. them things like, make sure, I don't care what you do, they're only mm -hmm. going to remember what you ended up with. Right. If you fall, get up as if you didn't. Right. They'll kind of erase it. Mm -hmm. But the more you emphasize it, the more they're going to remember it. Right. So we were doing really well. One of the schools called me up, the biggest international school here, mm -hmm. the American School in Japan, called me up and asked me if I'd teach over the summer. Mm -hmm. I did, then they offered me a job there. I taught there for three years mm -hmm. as their PE teacher. Wow. And it was fantastic. That's yeah. when I formed my own company mm -hmm. after that. The second year there, I formed my company. Mm -hmm. So third year I was there. Then other schools asked me if I'd teach with them. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, but you can't pay me. They said, who do we pay? I said, my company. What would you say has been the most influential part of your career thus far? Hmm. First of all, of my career, so yes. okay, my career, becoming president of the American Chamber, mm -hmm. that's one first thing, and then being the first black, mm -hmm. only black to be president of the American Chamber, which is mm -hmm. the second largest chamber in the world. Mm -hmm. The only one being larger is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. For the American Chamber, is that is in, in the U.S., in oh, D.C. Okay, okay. That's the largest chamber in the world. The second largest is this one. The next thing that really helped me that was influential was being mm -hmm. opening this facility and being the first black president they've ever had. Mm -hmm. I have to do a presentation on a topic, 
and I have to be able to persuade people, and my topic is why everyone should go to therapy. And so I wanted to know your thoughts on this, and if you think or if you agree with it, or if you believe that you know not everyone might benefit from therapy, just like any of any ideas behind like the statement. I think it's very good to mm -hmm. go to therapy, but I think it's more important who the person is you're going to. Right. Because they need to go to therapy. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and what is going to give them mm -hmm. the kind of compassion, mm -hmm. love, and care mm -hmm. that each of us needs if they're not related to you, if they don't have some reason, and mm -hmm. money doesn't make them have that passion, no. care, mm -hmm. or devotion. Right. So, <laughs> that's a hard one. I think it's good to have people you can talk with. Right. But I think the best way to start your therapy is by reading. Yes. Absorbing it. Mm -hmm. Listening from the outside, not being the focus of the therapy. Mm. Then you'll have a better idea of how you want to go through your therapy. I don't think you need to be in it, but sit outside people. The, sit outside the group and listen to people going through a therapy session. Mm -hmm. Look, I have to say, Layla, I have enjoyed talking with you. <laughs> thank I want to thank you so much. Thank you so much. There's a question I like to ask before I end the podcast. Mm -hmm. You've been on the planet for almost two decades now. Yes. Now, if you could go back in time mm -hmm. and you could speak to the younger Layla mm -hmm. and give her advice, how old would that Layla be? And what advice would you give her? I think I would be eight, eight or nine. And this is actually something my therapist has told me and tried to instill in me. You have a therapist? Me. Yes, I do. I do. How, from what age? Um, for probably three years now. Yeah. You wanted a therapist? Yes. Yes. Do your parents have therapists? They do not. No. Have they ever? I don't know, to be honest. Does your sister have a therapist? No, she does not. Why did you want a therapist? I think it's a good way to kind of help myself at least regulate when I'm having difficulties, whether it's in school and I'm like, I don't know where to go from here, whether it's like in friendships, relationships, or just personally where I just, I feel like I'm stuck and I don't know where to go next and it's a great way to kind of have someone else guide you and like provide some insight into looking beyond what I just know myself. How'd yeah. you pick this therapist? So part of it was my insurance because American insurance is tricky and a lot of times they don't cover therapy but with my insurance they gave me a list of different therapists that I can see for free and I, you know, talked to a bunch of different people to see what would work. And I happened to match with this therapist and she's been amazing. Yeah. And you've had her for three years? No, I've switched between different people because I've learned like what works for me, what doesn't, and people who I connect with more and people who I don't. Okay. Is she significantly older than you or is she? Yes, she is, I believe. But I think she's around my parents' age okay. or older. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just curious. That is interesting. So yes. go on. What was I uh, supposed to say to you? The, what would I say to my younger oh, yeah, self? Right, right. What age? <laughs> um, probably eight or nine. And I would say you always have what it takes. Um, you always have what it takes to get what you want and to get things done. And 
everything that you do has like a purpose and you know, remember to trust yourself and that you can do it. <laughs> Beautiful, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. And never forget, it's all on loan. So continue to reach for the stars. Because you're too blessed to be stressed.